welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Terry Vaughn, the lead vocalist from Hurricane Alice. Bruce, how are you? What? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Glad we can do this. Um, we've been trying to get back and forth. You're a busy, busy guy. And it's been a while since anyone's heard anything from you guys. I know, I know, I know. Life goes on, man. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody made a comment. We put out a record a couple of years ago and they're like, it's only taking them 30 years to put out another record. Wait, I can't wait for the next one. Right? Well, I was thinking I'm looking forward to 2050 for the next one. That would be yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's kind of like a thing like life got in the way. What are they, who, like John Lennon said, life's what happened. Life is what happens while you're making other plans, you know, so. Pretty much, pretty much. But you yeah. guys came at a time where right at the end where like it, the rug got taken out. So it put you in a weird spot to begin with, you know. Yeah. You weren't, you yeah. weren't established enough where you could kind of lay the groundwork more, you know what I mean? Some yeah. of the bands had a couple albums in. We were just like getting a seat at the table, so to speak, when the bottom kind of dropped out and. And all of a sudden, everything that I trained to be like, which is a rock and roll guy having fun and a big live arena thing was, oh, that's horrible, blase. And, you know, I'm sure you've talked to all the other artists in the 80s genre. It's like when the 90s hit, it was like, oh, my God, it's over. It was a little bit of being like Elvis when the Beatles got there, you know? It, it, it is, but a lot of people had, you think, I don't like to lump it together because I talked to a lot of people from a lot of different genres for that time period because... Even yeah. if you were like in a, a AOR rock band or a progressive band, grunge yeah. became a thing for everybody. So it yeah. in the 80s for you, but like it wiped out, changed the, you know, for everybody at one point. Well, a lot right. of the soft rock bands weren't cool anymore. It, it, it always, yeah. every 10, it's like a cycle. Every 10 years I've, I've noticed it kind of feels like sure. every music kind of goes through. But what everybody did with after it has always been the most interesting part of how people handled it yeah. and recovered from it. You know, because we're still talking, so everybody recovered somehow. They just found a new avenue of life. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, now that you have a few decades under your belt to look at, like, and then interestingly, the the longevity of the artists of each of those decades. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, where are those two thousands artists? I mean, and where are the nineties? Or you know, the nineties artists? I loved all those cats, man. I really did. Yeah. did it, you know, but you know, I don't know. You know, well, a lot of them are gone now. We've lost yeah. a lot of them. But um, I agree. You know, nothing really to like be like as hugely iconic as like the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or, you know, all those bands that I came up on ACDC. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that. I don't think the, there's going to be a Monsters of Grunge boat trip for people to tour yeah. on and see like. Well, there know, might be. I don't know. Well, but, you're right. Just to prove me wrong. But I'm saying because each of those bands had some good songs and I'm like, I'm not, not going to need yeah. it because there's some of the music I like. But I don't think also the, that they last. They weren't even long, around long enough. To establish yeah. themselves like or at least rock in the 80s metal had a longevity that grew from the 70s and it, it had it had legs yeah. it was grunge thing only had like baby baby steps and then it was gone again yeah i know and i mean i i i, I really liked it you know some of the i mean like you know nirvana was amazing i mean like beatles amazing really but yeah. not like beatles prolific as far as how much is out there and how huge the beatles have become you know and then there's okay. always the thing of like, well, okay, but the Beatles have been played over and over and over and over again. It's like, and they were in at such an in, uh, like an infantile state of the music business re relative to now, where right. there's so many more artists and as that scale of artists, you know. Like but they weren't together very long either, though. The, re the recording wasn't very long either. It was, what, six years? They actually yeah, recorded it was 64 out. to 69. I mean, it was six, yeah. 70. Yeah. And it's, it's like. Short. That's the same yeah, like the most so, bands. That's. 
but I mean, now it's like, and in, in those days, there were only a couple of cool ass recording studios in the world and they were in them. But now it's like every kid's got one on his phone and yep. there are, a, you know, 7 billion recording artists as, as opposed to like this many back in those days. Yeah. So, you know, they took a, a higher place. So maybe that's it why. And it didn't change. Like, like you said earlier, say, like, and I, people have heard me say this before, like when I was in college, like uh, 89, 90, which your album was what, 92, right? Uh, nine, nine, 92, 90 also. It yeah. was the same time when, think about when Mac came out and Apple and the home recording and everything. So I got yeah. my degree in recording and in shooting video and editing. And oh, then a cool. computer came out. Yeah, but then a computer came out and everyone's like, I could do this on my computer. So just like grunge yeah. came, Apple came and hit me because it changed the dynamic of my career. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, 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 the people felt like they could do everything differently. Now, over time, we've learned that you can't replicate drums. You need to go to the studio. You need to, there's certain things you need to do. You know, I was just actually, in fact, the reason I, I thought I was late, but I guess I wasn't, but I was just talking yeah. to Ian Mayo, the original bass player for Hurricane Alice. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's been working in audio for the last how many ever decades. And um, he just bought all these killer drum mics and a killer drum set. And he's got a home studio and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm just sick of using triggers and I want to get back to it. And we had this discussion about that thing of like our, our drummer, Jackie and, and Ian, I mean, they were just so dynamic and powerful and every little nuance and every little upbeat. And when we just get in a room together, the, the rhythm section was so powerful that, I mean, and you have this thing where you have this intuitive sense where, I mean, it, it, it was just, it's like something you don't experience when you're just like working with loops and stuff like that. I heard Joni Mitchell say like, you know, uh, she had some producer who was like, you know, we can do your record for this much money. I'll save you this much money. And we're just going to do, you know, do stuff, you know, in the box. And she's like, music is, you know, a bunch of people in a room creating music together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that's the thing that's been lost. I mean, you know, God save us from the future with AI and all in, you know, current worries, uh, you know. COVID came at a weird time. COVID allowed a couple of things happen. The good side yeah. for music is it, it allowed some downtime and creativity. We'll mm -hmm. talk about the bad side in a minute. But allowed a lot of artists that have been on the road. They've gone the ups and downs in the 80s and they hit the grunge and they went back together and they touring rock has been picking up a little bit, especially bands from the 70s and 80s yeah. and early 90s. Um, but but a lot of people hadn't been home. A lot of artists hadn't been home for a long period of time or recorded. Some of yeah. these bands have recorded some of the best albums they've done in their lives. They've had the time to sit down and write the best albums ever. A lot of great rock albums came out from bands you know, from the late 80s and 90s because there's a time. thing about that and i just got done reading um ted templeman's biography that was you know, a good book i read that it's a good book did you read that oh yeah awesome. and you know how van halen could just come in there with nothing and then they just pick up this riff and they'd write the album and record it in two weeks wow that's great they just came off the road and they're just like road warriors but then you know like when i just did my last record it's just so great to like take it and I, i'm a runner so it's like you know i would I'd like work on them. We I worked on it for a couple of years and it's like, you got one iteration of the song and then you're out there and you're, you're like, I, when I'm running, I just like be thinking about the song and all of a sudden another it, Oh, I've got this new part, you know, and you would just like run it through your head and be able to be able to go back and change it and make it better and make it better, make it better. And like, just keep boiling it and keep taking the cream, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I want to say that though is a, it's going to have a lot of time. Sometimes too much time is not good. And that's, um, Chinese democracy, where you get to the point where I think Axel is just 
and the pressure and he's questioning himself where you're like, what is the next thing? When do you stop? When do you just stop, move yeah. on. But Van Halen's a good example, just like the Beatles. They they were very prolific, but they had their they had their rehearsals. Like Van Halen could do like I don't know, a hundred, couple hundred cover songs. Eddie had more wrists ever. Sometimes the wrists yeah. would come back in other songs and they toured like anything. So by the time they came in for those, those albums, yeah, they were they were so well rehearsed. They had so many riffs. They were like they had so many ideas. They had they yeah. just had it. The, the the songs were just like dripping out of them. So for them yeah. to try one thing, another thing came out because they were just they were so primed to do it. It made sense. Just yeah. like the Beatles were so what five nights a week they're playing or seven nights a week, five sets a night or something like. Right. There's so much for doing that, and that's where that, and that's where most bands are when they come in the very beginning. You get the sophomore yeah. album, you know. The second, third album on the tour is usually when it starts to hurt the guys because of time, break, or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that well, album, but just being, being in perfect shape. If you're an athlete, and that's what you know, you get yourself in in fighting shape, and you know that's what those bands did. And yeah, we got all the music to uh, to look at to go. Yep, they were fucking great, you know. And you know, and uh, you know, like in that Templeman book, he mentions you know, like David Lee Roth just coming in and being a genius about like taking jump and. And they don't know what to do with it. And they don't think it's a Van Halen song. And he comes up with these lyrics and it turns out to be their best, you know. Which is hilarious because Dave also didn't want that song. And now he's actually done covers of it of his own. Like Dave didn't want that song either. I know. I mean, I I agree with Ted's view that it's just like they just took a left turn. I mean, not to get off on a rabbit hole here, but, uh, you know, Van Halen wasn't a keyboard band. And he was like, you know, this sounds like something that any, any, what do you say, like um, stadium stadium keyboard player could play you know and you know eddie was this world-class guitar player that nobody could top and he was just like stepping away from the guitar to do that it was kind of odd but you know what it was successful for him so go figure i can say I, here's, I, i'll support an artist to do whatever they want right but I, yeah. I can see both sides of it now but eddie grew up as a piano player and he's experimenting he was being a creative artist he had already done certain things so he was bored with it it'd be like you re- redoing you know bob young and crazy part two you're like i already did it at that point, yeah. Eddie had done how many albums? He was the king of the world on guitar. Yeah, you're a musician. You want to be challenged. You want to do something different and fun. Anything, yeah. So for that, like to me, also, I'll say "Jump" is not. My, I don't think it's a bad song. It's just not a song I go to because it's, yeah, exactly. I'm excited to it. Yeah. But I was happy for the success of it. I get why he'd wanted to do it because it's something different. It's creative. But like, I'll wait sure. and grow on bad. There's some other songs in the album that have some keyboard and not as poppier. They're great. You know. Um, was it I was I'll wait the one that they stiffed uh, Michael McDonald on the uh I think so. That's why yeah, yeah, it was yeah. that one. But like well Unchained was written on a piano. So he he was a keyboard guy. Yeah. It's just yeah. Oh uh what's the one that he played on the Fender Rhodes all distorted? The Unchained, I think, right? In the beginning. Was it Unchained? Oh yeah. That was cool. I didn't even know that was a keyboard, actually. Right. So so he wrote that originally got piano, I think. So yeah, he's always been doing it. So I mean, that's kind of like where you view as an artist and what you talk about, like what the band is. He didn't care what the band is. He wanted to write a song and how he heard it. Well, and the other thing is, you know, where they were at, you get put in a box at a certain level and they right. were in this box like we're three plus one party band. Right. And it's guitar, bass, drums. And it's like, you know, well, I'm not in a box. I'm a I'm an artist, like you said, yeah. Do whatever you want. Right. So, so that's why I, I respect them for that. Like to me, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. It's not my favorite song. But I dig, I dig why they did it. And it's cool. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, 
That's why you said Dave just didn't want it. No one wanted it, but it became their biggest song by default. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, pretty, it's the funniest thing ever. Um, but so, there's not, to me, there's not as much known about you guys as, as there should be because you guys came out with the one album and it was like everything changed so fast in the music industry. Yeah. And there's yeah. been, well, I've seen there's, there's been different narratives out there, versions of stuff. Sure. Maybe you could kind of hit on like, the, the formation of you guys kind of like the, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll give you my quick elevator speech on that, not to take up. Oh, too yeah, much whatever. Time. Yeah. Whatever you're comfortable with. So, it's just, uh, like just not know, a lot out there. That yeah. You said. So I'm from Minnesota. And at the time, um, you could actually, if you, if you stuck with it and got a band together, you could make a living at it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I started off, you know, at 15 years old and just went out and started playing clubs and ended up with a group of guys in a band called the employers and you know we 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 got our ten thousand hours of of stage legs i mean we just did it the hard way going all around the midwest playing and like you know to shitty shitty bars and sometimes packed bars and slowly we 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 got better and the crowds got bigger and um at a certain point uh you know we were drawn over a thousand people and he's packing these clubs and making really wow. good money and then the thing kind of fell apart for whatever reason and um you know, um, at the time or before that, the fall apart thing, I had gone and did some demos with some cats and, um, yeah. So then I just kind of brought them in and we changed the name at that point to hurricane Alice, but it was building on the, the following that we got. And, um, so we went and played some shows and we, we won like best new artist, um, in the, there's a thing called the Minnesota music awards, like Prince mm -hmm. and all that kind of music thing. And so we had some prestige rocking for us and we were packing bars and then that fell apart. Like, I mean, it was only a year and a half lived. And then I had this friend, Ian Mayo, um, and he had been working with Danny Gill, who was an instructor at GIT and yeah. another guy, Michael Anthony. And they, they like had a warehouse down in Long Beach and they called me up and they're like, you know what? We, uh, we got these songs, but we don't have a singer. Would you come out? And so I went out and I actually flipped the bill and we went in the studio and, and they had already, they may have even had the basics done, but when in, I went in and I just, just like what we were just talking about with David Lee Roth yeah. and everything, I went in, I flew out and within like a week, I wrote the lyrics, went in, sang the tunes and we did like a five or six song demo produced by ourselves. And, did, you know, did, um, music. I'm sorry, we a quick, quick question while we're doing this. Did you yeah. see you footed the bill? For the so studio. So you actually came in. There's a new guy. By the way, we need a singer. We also need money for the to pay for it. I think they might have had basics done actually, and then I was like, "Fuck it, let's go in the studio and I'll." All we, right. we rehearsed it up, and I would they'd I, they'd be writing in it. You know, back in those days, you had like a little Sony cassette thing, and you'd record things in. And I just go sit out on the sidewalk in Long Beach and like come up with these lyrics and write them out. And I just kept, you know, like again iteration after iteration, cross this yep. out, write that in. And um, then I was like, come on, let's go. Re I'll, I'll lay down the track. So in the course of it might have been one or two trips, but it wasn't more than a week or two. Um, the five or six song um, demo, which ended up being like too late, dream girl, tear the house down, shake, shake, shout, all the stuff. The the main meat of the mm -hmm. first album was done. And I, I think that demo was done really well. Um, I can't remember the name of the studio on Santa Monica Boulevard, but. Anyway, so, and then I, I was like, oh, cool, man. Well, I'm going to go home. And I went home and like two days later, 
Ian calls me up and he goes, you're never going to believe this. Um, I could give you this. So there was a, these chicks named the twins and you might see them on Sam Kinison videos, but I think Sam was going out with them at the time. They got yep. the tape. They handed it to a friend who's now a friend of mine, Randy Scurvy, who has another thing. And then he handed it to a guy named Glenn Parrish, who is Stevie Nicks's manager. And like two days after I got back to Minnesota, Glenn calls me up and goes, you know what? You guys are great. I, I want to pay for you to come back out here. And uh, I think uh, I want to manage you guys. Wow. And I was like, yeah. So I like bananas. Just I did the Beverly Hillbillies, man. I loaded up the truck and I moved to Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, long story short, uh, six months later, we had a deal. We like we recorded at Amigo Studios, which is interesting with that Ted Templeman book. He talks yeah. about going to Amigo. We went to Amigo and we we worked with a bunch of like producers. Glenn kept getting us these uh, uh, like development deals. I'm trying to think yeah. of the guy's name, Eddie. Eddie Kramer like did yeah. did a mix on some stuff and anyway we got the deal with Atlantic and recorded it and uh yeah so that's 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 the whole story right there basically did I go so, too long <laughs> no there's no time limit I'm not <laughs> yeah it's, it's just about hearing the, the, the story the truth because I hadn't heard it before and sometimes I try not to do like the the, the soup to you know nuts meal but I hadn't yeah. heard that before from you so to me I hadn't heard yeah. it and I I know a lot of useless music information. I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard that. How long were you guys together? So you guys were pretty much in a, not really even a full band, kind of like a baby band that kind of got thrown together. And then all of a sudden you guys were a band. Yeah. Like so the nucleus, I mean, there there was some interesting things that happened right there. I, I had been in that band with Hurricane Ellis, um, which was from Minneapolis. And we, it was spelled regular hurricane and um, the drummer, Rusty Miller, and I moved out and I, you know, we had Michael Anthony was a drummer and, and then Rusty and I ended up living in Van Nuys and I was like commuting to Long Beach and Rusty's like, man, I want to be in the fucking band, get rid of that other dude. And, you know, I just made the play and Rusty ended up being the, the band member that was, and so we, which Mike, but Michael and Danny and Ian had been working maybe for years on developing all that material. Yeah. And you know how that writing thing goes, Ian's the writer, but all three of them kicked ass and worked that shit up and recorded yeah. it. It was badass. And, um, you know, and then, so, um, the reason why hurricane Alice at the time it was called danger city. That was their band, name of their band. Tom McMasters dug us and played us on KNAC and stuff. And, um, but then, uh, yeah. So we put, I kind of forced that issue, put rusty in the band. And the reason why we took the hurricane Alice name was that we could, I mean, we got signed and Atlantic's like, okay, you guys go get a job at McDonald's because we're not giving you any fucking support. And we're like, are you fucking kidding us? You know, we could go back and tour the Midwest and make good money. And so I'm like, screw it, we'll go play. And they're like, you can't play because we're not released yet. And it was just this weird dynamic. But anyway, so we took on the former name to, you know, achieve and, and go back and have the same crowds back in Minneapolis that I had developed yeah. those years. And we did that and it was cool. And uh, yeah, so it ended up being Rusty was in the band. And then, you know, Rusty got into a little trouble and we ended up pulling Jackie in post recording of the album. And Jackie was just a friend over the years and he's just a badass drummer. He's one of those yeah. guys, it's like, you get him in the fucking powerhouse behind you and the band is just like, wow. I mean, yeah. So. Well, you guys are very loud, a very, very loud group, like sonically. 
Like your yeah. voice is very strong. And I mean, as a compliment, I would have loved to seen you guys have a couple, a couple more albums, like, like when you were just yeah. on your legs, like it would have been, cause you guys were only getting stronger, especially as if, you, if yeah. you're playing, if you had toured, like, you know what I mean? As a, as a band and written and toured yeah. a little more, that would have been yeah. incredible. It's like what you guys did from that momentum, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, the voice thing was like, I mean, at the time coming through the eighties, it's like, you know, there's Rob Halford, there's Queensryche. I mean, there's all this really high stuff, which I, I can just kind of do effortlessly, you know, in the ACDC stuff. And, um, you know, so I was like, okay, well, this is a competitive sport. You know what I mean? I'm kind of, kind of a competitive person. And I'm like, I got to be better than them guys, you know? So the record is recorded in that way. And with me just, and I was in that kind of form and I can st still have the chops and be i'm able to sing that way but it's just like it's kind of a little bit overdone like and actually i remember there was a point when we were working on the record there's a song on the first record called dream girl which is actually now that i listen to it i you know it's like one of those things i don't feel like i wrote it it just came to me and it and but now that i look at it i'm really kind of proud of it, like lyrically and everything and concept wise but they actually um, we're mixing the record and Amit Erdogan called me from New York. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, fuck. I didn't really know how big of a deal that was. Really? Yeah, he's really huge. Knowledgeable. He's like, you know, I love this song. I think this is a hit song, but you're just screaming too much. There's too much high voice stuff in there. And I'm like, but Amit, that's like my forte. That's what I do. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm trying to compete with Rob Halford and all that shit. And he's like, well, I want you to come out to New York. I'm going to fly you out here. I want you to recut the song and we're going to just try it a different way. And I, I fucking said no to Ahmed Erdogan, too. What? I know. And uh, well, I didn't say no, but it didn't end up happening. But to my memory, I kind of said no, I didn't want to fucking do it. So anyway, long story short. And, uh, you know, I know. And then when the record was released, uh, that's how you end up working at McDonald's. Yes. No, that's what I do now. <laughs> Ever since no, I'm a manager. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know, man. You, you know, it's like, not like now you can't just Google Arm Erdogan or watch a movie about him. And, and uh, you know, I just didn't have the knowledge base. You did, I mean, I got thrown in with like, you know, like the, the, the Fleetwood Mac crew. I mean, we, I went to Mick Fleetwood's wedding and I'm just kind of walking around and my manager, Glenn goes, you're going to get up on stage because they had a stage and Stevie Nicks was jamming with Mick Fleetwood and some other cats. And he goes, you're going to sing. And I'm like, no way. Pushes me out on stage. Stevie's going, and we have it. And it's like under, you know, I'm, it's like Ed McMahon and Dick Cavett or, I mean, all these, I mean, like super A-listers and I'm just kid. And I don't know, you know, I just go out on stage and fucking do what I do. <laughs> craziness you just don't know you know but it was, it was, it was a million like, years in those couple of years what's that yeah you know it was a lot of years in those couple of years yeah yeah and a million stories you know and it's and it's like the other thing is that you, you you're like that's right i'm cool so you've got to play it off like i'm cool and i don't care who you guys are which i've never been really like one to bow to strata like social yeah. stratification you know what i mean i kind of egalitarian in my view <laughs> Yeah. I think a lot of people are more, not cool, but more laid back than you think they are. You know what I mean? Right. And and, and I'm going to say, and even over time, like if people have met in the industry and 
you know, I, I was doing other stuff. I met even back, back in the eighties. I mean, of course people are a little more, you're younger, you're a little more brass and you're a little more ego because you're younger, course, yeah. but it wasn't the same as like, when I think of real ego, I have a hard time. And even with, even nowadays, it's sometimes some of the pop bands are the ones that still have this distance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like rock bands have always been really easy to talk to the fans. They're just a fan right. that has a talent and their talent is, and I use this example a lot now. now if you were, if I was a, a horse guy, but I was an equestrian and, and you were really great at making saddles and shoes, you know what I mean? We'd have my horse show and I'd be like, you're awesome. Cause you make some great saddles. Like you just do a, your job is something yeah. that is really enjoyable for a lot of us. And that's what we're talking right. about your specialty. But beyond that, no one's thinking that they're better than anybody else in the rock world. I've noticed, you know? Yeah. I mean, because you know what? A lot of us come from humble beginnings and, um, you know, you can get that thing of trying to like, there's a hierarchy and there obviously is because on every bill, it's like, we sold more records, you sold less records. You know what I mean? But that's economics. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with the band. I mean, there's still, you still have to make a living. If, if I'm saying I'm an IT guy, if I do something better or less than somebody else, yeah. you're going to get paid accordingly anyhow. That's just the real world. You know what I mean? It is. But as far it as people go. World, but it, you know, rock and roll is an elitist organization. I mean, as well as, as much as I want to be like this egalitarian, everybody's equal kind of thing. It's like it, you can't have everybody be equal and then have someone up on stage posing as like the hero guy you know, the rock star dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's really is an elitist type of scenario, which maybe that's why it's on the decline, you know, cause people are less, you know, hero worshiping these days. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I think I've, I've experienced and I've probably interviewed oh, probably close to 350 people now. And yeah. I experienced maybe it's like two or three people. And, and these guys, our artists, they, I never had them on the show. Hey, I wouldn't do it. Hey, I won't pay for an interview also. But these people have, um, yeah, they've acted above it. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's good for you. That's your thing. It's not, it's not what I'm going to do. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have other people don't do it. But everyone I've talked to is very cool. Always approachable. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, you can't be, I mean, it's just like that thing of the millionaires with the boat. You think you have the biggest yacht and then the next guy's got a bigger yacht. And it's like, so if you're a rock dude, you can you can treat people with a, a snide remark and be, you know, I think that's just shitty people. And a lot of those people don't really make it to the top. You know what I mean? It's uh, so a lot of people are pretty cool and they've been they've been looking up. There's always someone bigger than them, you yeah. know, and well, they survive uh, too during grunge. And they've still, they work through it. Yeah, it shows that it shows that they also have a work ethic. So they're more grounded to begin with. Right. True to still be around now because they're still working through it, whether they're playing big clubs or not. There was no ego, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, Motley Crue was doing a club tour, and, and I happen to be privy to some of the financial numbers that like Motley Crue and Poison and all those cats were out doing like trying to play. And people, people, I mean, nobody wanted anything to do with 80s rock for about 10 years, and it's like all of a sudden they started coming back. And you know, um, you know, I, I, I know the numbers, and it's like. Holy shit! It was bad. It was. Tough. It was bad. They're they not gonna be playing together for a while, but yeah, do, yeah you know, well. Brett's got his his little thing, and he can pretty much go do the exact same show on his own, but not he's for. He's been doing same. it for twenty years. Yeah, for twenty years, and he gets makes, he makes more of the money. And I think yeah. he has a new single out this year. He's been working on doing something, 
and he had the he just had the stadium tour. I mean, they were got the best reviews ever. I saw them. I saw the stadium tour. And, oh, did you, you know, see, yeah, I saw it too. We well, we represented those guys and also Vinny or uh, Vivian from Def Leppard. So we like whenever they'd come around. Or I was so happy to see Def Leppard. I'd never seen them, and I, I was very pleased. I thought they sounded great. Um, yeah. Joe Jap was fine. A good show. You know, Poison. I've seen Poison back in the day. They sound the same now, which is no, exact <laughs> same show. It's the same, same set, set actually. Yes, yeah. same set list. But I want to tell you what though, they can put on a show, and they didn't sound. His vocals didn't sound any different. So the guitar, no. like everybody, sounded exactly like they're supposed to sound. You know what the deal is? Were... It's fucking entertainment, and they yeah. entertain people, and people love those songs. Yeah. They love those they, songs. Look at the cat dragged in, or what you know. I mean, there's he's got he's got a great set list, and yeah, you know he knows his song. His voice is loved. His voice yeah. is the same. I mean, I mean and he's a great humanitarian. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. The whole the whole point is it, it worked out well, and you know, and it's and, and having seen Molly Kuna pass before all this other stuff, I actually yeah. left. I actually had to leave. I was like, oh, like I was really disappointed in that show. You know, it got to yeah. a certain point where even Vincent's voice was like it was it was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> and it what was this, the smoke. Were they burning tires or something? No one ever talks about that. You know what I'm talking about when they come out without smoke? It was like, yeah, yeah. I think we all got cancer from just that. I don't know what that smoke it smelled bad. I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of these cats, I mean, just never have really had like the vocal chops or the like. You know, Vince has always been a little pitchy here and there, and right. You know, but even a couple of years back, he still was better. But these past couple of years, it's like he's just got to sit still. You know, I think the not in front of the weight, but the extra weight is always hard on you vocally. Like you should have yeah. been running and jogging and working on those. Like if he just did his best for his age and sat still, he probably would have been a little bit better. But yeah. literally just not doing nothing and just running with that much weight, you're gonna be winded. I'm yeah. winded at my age, going running around. Like it's just not you know, the thing. I remember when they first came up with that tour, and again, I have some inside info, but it's like there was was there like a makeover tv show or that was like... a long time ago on vh1 he did that vince tried that a while back they had a couple yeah. of things like they had like a reunion show and they get yeah. together then they broke up again and then they didn't around the yeah. same Vince did a, a a vocal song he wrote a song with a hit maker and i think they did like a like a nose job or something for him or something yeah, it's been I know, a while. Man. it was like yeah it's been, it's you know always... i'm sure it's out it there didn't work whatever they did it just didn't work yeah so i mean he's done stuff through the years and yeah. it, all of it didn't go so the fact that all of a sudden now, after the dirt came out, they haven't sounded and improved at all. Yeah, but yeah. they're huge. I mean, you know, I thought Def Leppard sounded great. I like the fact that Def Leppard came out and did, did a, the, like the original music. They opened with a new song. They're for fucking is badass, dude. And I know. I but can you anybody imagine knows that? about it. It's just can like Aerosmith going like, "We're not going to write any more records because nobody fucking cares." You listen to the stuff, and it's just like, "Wow, it's cool." So let's talk it's about you, you guys. The joke was you took your 30 years for your sophomore album and you yeah. and then you shot and you and you said cool which is always great for a dork like me is and a lot of people obviously watching a podcast or video cast where you want to call it is you do behind the scenes with the bands and people love that you know you did you shot your own reunion piece and then you did an album. i did yeah yeah that was kind of a funny story but yeah Please, well, let's talk about that because that's kind of where I'm going with some of this newer stuff where you are at oh, now. I mean, you know, and on that sophomore album, we actually did write a sophomore album, and uh, uh, Max Norman was going to produce, and we we'd written and and uh, demoed, and um, actually had the studio booked with mm -hmm. that original unit of 
Jackie and Ian and Danny and myself. And then, you know, um, Jason Flom just kind of went, we're just, hair bands are out. We're not going to do this. And they pulled the plug on it right before we went in the studio to record the second wow. album. Yeah. So that was kind of a letdown. Were there any demos or anything done, roughed up out there? Yeah. And actually, so right before I did this recent thing myself, um, you know, I called those cats and I'm going, dudes, I'm going to do a record. So you guys want to... Mm -hmm. We pull, should we release that record? And I've had many record companies going, you know, give us that yeah. record. We'll, we'll release the demos. And, you know, the guys are like, let's just leave it as it is, basically. Actually, two of them wanted to do it. And Ian was like, yeah, I don't want to put out some shit that's not really recorded well because they were just demos. And he's like, you know, I don't really want to re-record it. And so we talked about it and talked about it and it was just kind of a no-go. So I ended up like writing a whole new record um, and doing it. In my you should release street. it. You should release it only because uh, here's my thought. Yeah, I'm not saying disrespect to the artist, but here's my here's my angle as a fan. You can go online and you can hear, example, the Aha, right? Uh, the lead singer in his prime, one of the best voices ever, right? Mm -hmm. The anniversary issue of that of that album is all demos on the other half of it. Uh -huh. Fans love the demos. Even Motley Crue has demos like dr phil had all different lyrics which really messes I, you up when you hear it too because i totally agree with you and you know you want to know what it's they're part of the process yeah it's part of the process and there are actually i think personally i think there's some great songs they're really 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 good songs you know are they going to become hits right now no but you could appreciate the the work that went into it and it's kind of just sad having it sit in the dustbin. Personally, I'd like to release it, but you know, I'll respect their wishes and I don't really care. It's like, you know, there's, they exist like, and they're private now, but maybe someday who knows. Yeah. You know? They're about there. You okay. I'll, well, hopefully Ian, if you're watching this, you... come on. It's a fan. I mean, it's a fan. You want to hear it. If you, you make a big deal yeah. about it, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's called a demo. Everyone knows yeah. it's not you. You're not being held to it. It's a demo you recorded 30 years ago. Yeah. But here's some well, song exactly. ideas that you know what? your fans was, never got it, to hear. It was a whole new record. And, you know, Jackie not having been involved with the first record, um, this was his thing that we wrote too. So um, we we wrote as, a, as four guys all together. And um, yeah, I like it. I really, I would love to put it out there. It's not recorded well. And some of it's, some of it, you know, some of them are probably like filler tunes that you wouldn't put out, but still have them. They're still there. Yeah. So put out to the universe. We need to get, we need to hear that. Yeah. So, the, so the, obviously the fact you guys formed as a band, almost as, as mercenaries, you came in as a mercenary to, to begin with, to be with the band and you guys happen yeah. to have the same goal and you're young and it's easy to get along with somebody in a rock band at the time. Cause you, you know, it was just hit uh, lightning at the right point, but obviously as time went on, so when you did the reunion, so obviously you guys were separate for a while. And then you recorded the reunion. Even the reunion, some of the guys, I don't know who said it, they're kind of concerned on what the angle was going to be, what your angle was. I know. Who said I, it. You don't talk about, right? I totally ambushed those guys. You know, I'm going I know, like, and I'm not trying to stir the pot, but I was kind of no, curious. No, but it was weird that you, because you shot it and you put it in there. So I'm asking you, it's weird that you had that in there. Well, it, yeah, because they were just so freaked out by it. I mean, first of all, it's a little reunion, like, let's get together. And it's so great. I just have to say this. Every time we get together, and we've gotten together a couple times in the past few years. Well, one one time. But it was just, we get, it, 
first of all, Ian and Jackie and Danny are the three funniest motherfuckers in the world. And I mean, they could just have not been musicians. They could have been comedians. And we get together and we are just like in tears. I mean, not kidding, just in tears, like you're on an acid trip laughing. It's so fun to be together with those guys. And it was just fun to put it together. And and then in the meantime, it was like, you know, we got the promoter to give us a Learjet and we fucking did this. And I got like a friend of mine and we got a film crew and we're like shooting stuff and interviewing people. But we don't really know what it's going to be, what the narrative is until you start cutting it. And then it kind of came together. And it was like, wow, it was, really wasn't about the music so much as it was the hang. And we really loved each other. Yeah, it was, you know? it's definitely about the relationships. But I think all good things have a story and an arc. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a collection of clips and it's a video documentary from the 80s. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're a filmmaker, you know. Yeah. I mean, you want to be invested. And that's why the more you, the fans get invested in you, just like did you, uh, if you're a UFC or a boxing thing, the tail of the tape type of thing. Yeah. You get the backstory. You hear they have a kid, they're training in this, whatever. They're fighting for the money. They're fighting. You all of a sudden, like, you're five minutes in, you're like, I like that person. I can relate. Then you watch the fight. You're emotionally invested into them. If you just right. saw somebody fight on TV, you walked by in a store and you're watching them fight, you're like, yeah, I hope the guy in the red trunks wins. But if you know each of their backstories, it's more interesting. Right. Sure, sure. So so something like you did there puts a little you know, dimension into it where you're like, oh. But him then, like him saying that, you're like, oh, what angle? Like, what's going on? And you start watching it. You know, it's like, there's something yeah. else going on. Or like, it's kind of fun. It throws, and it's very, yeah. um, it's like you put that in there. It's very open because you put that in there. Because you could, if anybody would take it out, it would be you who took that out. Yeah. Well, you know, there, and there's a lot of stuff that got ended up on the cutting room floor. And they, we had this thing. I don't, I almost named this, this last album fucking Bruce because everybody kept saying that was the story. Fucking Bruce. And I mean, it's like, I had like clips, like a hundred clips of like in the elevator, fucking Bruce. How come we're not, how come there's a, where's our backstage shit? Fucking Bruce. And it was like, I had all these clips and I was going to make this whole clip like a, I don't know, a whatever real, you that's know, funny. but yeah. So that's what they, that's just kind of the deal. I'm always, I'm one of those guys who just like imagines things and then makes them happen. You know, I'm sitting in this house right now. Yeah. I decided when COVID hit and my, my job as a booking agent went away, it was like, I wasn't going to sit around. So I, and now it's, it's almost exactly three years. I'm just finishing up this big ass house that I just built, you know, and I, that's what I did. And I've actually learned how to do carpentry, electrician stuff, plumbing. I mean, concrete, wow. you name it. I just, well, it's, yeah, it's the longest, biggest project I've ever done, but you know, it's, it's been it's been uh it's been kind of i don't know what the word is it's been a real growth experience for me you know but i'm just one of those guys who does shit i just like want to make a film i'm gonna make a film you know because i don't know what the date was because obviously on the youtube so on it you put down was it the same time as as that album came out too right around the same time uh what what was at the same time yeah the, the video was around the same time as the album right yeah yeah that all came out 2020 spring but so what was the nucleus? Because the album's great. So the album was gotta be real, but it's kind of short. For somebody band has a lot of a lot of songs. It's only what, like six songs. Yeah, we started with uh, you know, maybe double that and things kind of fell by the wade side. And um, you know, one this one's not really appropriate, this one's really not finished. And like I said, I I, I at the time when I decided to do that record, I basically just went out and bought everything I needed to have a home studio. And 
I'd been working in Pro Tools since, you know, like the yeah. 90s. So um, put together a studio, built it myself. And, um, you know, there's a thing. I'm not really the greatest drummer dude. You know what I mean? I'm a singer guy. And so I produced it and engineered it myself. And, and then like some of the tracks, just like there were there were problems with the drums. And I don't want to say that's why a few of those, a few of the songs maybe fell by the wayside that way or maybe they weren't the best songs so i just picked the cream of the crop and put it out and you know nowadays people just release one song at a time nowadays it's like you don't necessarily waterfall. have to, you know it's the waterfall thing they call it now what's they that one they release it one at a time like that it's like every month oh. or two it's like yeah. a waterfall and then at the end of the year this isn't a concept especially all the rock bands are taking on to it's very yeah. new and um but in the, the year they'll have enough songs and then they'll release it as an album or a CD, an and and actually it make smart now because as I think about it out loud, it also gives mm -hmm. you a leeway time because you know making vinyl unless you're Metallica and you bought the record company, the pressing plant, right? You're yeah. looking at a six to eight month lead time on pressing vinyl. So if yeah. you're doing the waterfall for that year, you start dribbling two, three. You know what I'm saying? Something By the time that you're done for the album, it's time for the vinyl. I, mean, I wonder, like, if you're, I wonder if you're Metallica, like, what the percentage of record sales for vinyl? I know there's connoisseurs and there's people who dig it. Oh, it's it's good. The numbers are huge. They're actually, really? um, I think they sold more vinyl this year than they did CDs. No way. I think well, so. that's saying something because who buys CDs anymore? Doesn't everybody just stream now? I mean, I don't know. I buy vinyl. Yeah. I'm a dork. Yeah. I have lots of vinyl. I have a lot of old vinyl too. I have like the biggest Jethro Tull vinyl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Jethro Tull, man. Uh, I do too. Cool. I, was, I, was, uh, I love Jethro Tull. They're actually coming. They're coming. They're probably going to be their last tour. Ian Anderson, yeah, yeah. wow, that's their last tour. He just has a new yeah. album. I actually got to interview him on the last album. Uh -huh. That was a great thing. To, one of my biggest things to do is get to interview him. Wow, Sean, that's badass. That was pretty cool. He's pretty. He's a nice guy to talk to. Um, yeah, but yeah, they have a new album out and they're going to do touring, they're doing like 40, 40 uh, dates in the U.S. It's kind of cool. Just, Check just them out. Kind of, that was just a weird, very weird sort of uh way for place for rock to go back then when that came out it, it was like it did oh. but if you think about the if you read the history of those guys like they just yeah. kind of learn stuff as they went and, and do you have to tell if you're looking back the early stuff the best drumming ever it's the heaviest drumming ever like you're always hearing the flute up front and the flute's really good because it, like it leaves like a melody like with the guitar yeah you really break down as a, as a songwriter but if you pull that back and you listen to like the guitars of, of martin barr and like the, 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 the drummers they've had they're just like powerhouses as a yeah. band, they were just they were just a monster band. You, you right. get the flute thing kind of it throws everybody off because if you think well, you know, what I mean, kind of band was, camp? <laughs> was, yeah, but it was progressive rock era, yeah. right? You had yes, you had all this stuff, you know, um, King Crimson. I mean, it was like it was cool progressively, but then it was another twist on it with the flute, and and then they sang about these cool things, and he just one got the like the transport themselves to like england somehow i don't know yeah. it was just it was, yeah 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 very interesting man though like that you know a lot of those guys like them yes was the same way with king crimson you know they're all doing something very interesting you know yeah you know and, and leading the way was bill buford he was just you know a monster on drums and yeah he's another guy i talked to him he was a nice guy another guy super nice you know what i mean he actually i'll say this is an example of how nice he is you know bill buford Yes, King Crimson, um, like a billion bands, right? I emailed him early on. I didn't have much of a show at that point. 
wanted to yeah. interview him. He, he says, um, he, he replied back to me. He goes, oh, sorry, it took a little time. He wrote back to me a long thing. He says, hey, I'm doing, um, I'm promoting a, like a box set, like a retrospective of my life. Three CDs, kind of a book in it, and a poster and everything in it. Cool. He says, um, it's coming out. Let's, let's do it for that. He goes, do you mind if I send it to you? Check it out. So I saw like, like a download. He sent me the entire thing. Oh, it was, like, cool. a poster, it's a book, it's a CD, like months before it even came out. You know, oh, so nice. just, just, that's what I'm saying. It's so nice. Just so many people are so nice, but yeah. another legend, but so a good drummer talk about D drumming. So, so, but the album though, but the songs gotta be real. They're good songs. You know, Dude, I would have been happy to hear a full album, more songs, but you know. Yeah, me too. I would have liked to have put more out, um, but it was kind of also a rush too. It was like, wow, summer's coming. And uh, went and shot these two videos and cut them and put them out. Yeah. Uh, and the other video is Highway Star, if people aren't, aren't aware. Just keep... Yeah, those of you that are following home, following from home. <laughs> yeah, which is it's always been a big song for me. Even before Hurricane Alice, I did that song. And mm-hmm. and actually, I don't know if you remember a band called Point Blank used to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the great band. Oh my God, I love those guys. Where are they from? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's Deep Purple, but then they they redid it, and then you know we redid it, obviously, but. So I just I just love the energy of that, and that's usually our uh, ride the motorcycle on stage song, and we just kind of do some fun shit with that. And then, got to be real, I don't know. I just sort of came up with this idea of like doing the the uh, painting the uh, whatever the lit the lyrics yeah, the, the lyric video yeah, which is nice because I mean and also that was also the beginning. There wasn't as many lyric videos either, so you were yeah. at, at the beginning of that also. I mean now with COVID. And, and different budgets and people recording remotely and just not being able to get in the same area, you know, yeah. you know, that there's restrictions. So you did it during the most restricted time. Yeah. And it was, it was a fun little art project, you know, I just, you know, time lapse and I set up the, my iPhone with a, with a little stand and got yeah. like uh, three big rolls of paper and some paint. And I was like, okay, well, let's play the song. I forgot how I synced it up. It was interesting to get it to to work yeah i can't even remember but you know because it was it was time lapse i think i maybe slowed the song down and yeah or something like that yeah well there's different timing things you can do and i've actually made just just because i wanted to i made a couple of lyric videos for some bands even before yeah. i even told them and i told them oh yeah cool and i, then I made a couple other afterwards if i'm knowing about it just because i wanted to learn how to do it i wanted to get my hands on it like just like you it was kind of fun yeah. something i would normally do but i was like yeah i'll do it it's kind of fun just to learn yeah the no, journey I mean- Absolutely. I always wanted to. And it, I, after, after like the career in uh, kind of my musical career kind of ended for a while there in the nineties. And um, actually I had a couple kids. So I started, became a father and was doing that. And I worked in the film business for most of the nineties. And so, you know, I got real familiar with being on set and how things were made and, you know, did several hundred TV shows and a bunch of, I ended, I ended up doing a lot of music videos Um and at the time, it's it was really weird. Um, like the music business was separated and segregated, so that I was involved with this rock world out in L.A. and and there was this Nashville side of things. And those cats were coming out to L.A. to do videos, and I ended up doing. I did like Reba McIntyre, Vince Gill, Garth Brooks, you know, Clint Black, uh, Faith Hill. I mean, that was what I, in the '90s. In the '90s, I did all their videos, and it was like I was going, huh who the fuck are all these cats, man? What is country? Nobody likes country. Well, it ended up being huge, you know? And, and well, country became a new metal. New country is when people filled in where 
metal pick dropped off. Uh, basically, it's just commercial rock and roll, and it's got a twang to it. You got to talk about your truck and your dog and a train. And Well, and I've talked about this, so I'll tell you. So my thought is the, the gateway drug for that was Shania Twain and the production of yeah. Def Leppard. You had the same production of Shania Twain and Def Leppard at the time. Both of them yeah. lost their albums in two different genres. Yeah. It yeah. almost sounds interchangeable on some sounds. Well, if you like, if you, yeah, yeah. like, so if you like that, if you like Shania Twain, then you're going to like Def Leppard. You know what I'm saying? And if you yeah. if you like ballads, you're going to, if you're a ballad person in Def Leppard, you might, you, know, you might like Shania Twain. Like it really felt like it was like it, it was not thought of, but it was an, an accidental crossover piece. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want it. It's like that Ted Templeman book again, mm -hmm. to refer back to that, where he talks about, like, I was a producer. I did the Doobie brothers, you know, I Linda did Rostad. Linda Rostad, you know, I did Van Halen and I did all these things. I didn't really put my Ted Templeman stamp on them. I right. figured out what the artist was doing and then did it. So I don't, I don't want to think, I don't, I don't think that Mutt Lang did Shania Twain to be like the female. No, but that's the sound. He, he, I, he has a sound though. Mutt Lang has a sound though. He has a sound, but like, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's just got a really good ear for what's a hit song too. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah. But I mean, he just, he that. knows how to work those. That, I, to me, like, and, and I love the phrase, I always say to serve a song. And Ted did because Ted was a musician also. So he knew mm -hmm. vocals, he knew guitar, yeah. and he knew which guys sprang in. So that's yeah. why the Doobie Brothers and, and Linda Ronstadt and Van Halen all sound totally different. You know? Yeah. But some producers have a sound. You know, sometimes Bob Rock can go back and forth. Sometimes he does and he doesn't have a sound that you can hear. He did got he got known for that, hit, uh, that Bob Rock sound. That's why Bob Crew went to see him after, you know. Um, right. Metallica. So I mean, he there is a, he has a big bombastic sound that he can get, kind of yeah. a big. I mean, he, he to me it's like a big clean sound, you know, yeah. big live live in the room sound. So or Andy Johns, but, yeah, yeah, they all have a certain sound, and some of them, you know, so some of the artists that produced at the time tell a little extra reverb. That was their sound on a little bunch of albums, you know, at that yeah. time. Yeah, uh, but but the point is, I think, but it crossed over, and that's interesting. You did that because now Nashville is where all the rockers are. Everyone's in Nashville or Vegas. Well, nowadays, yeah. I mean, I go to Nashville and walk down Broadway and I feel like just retiring, which yeah, kind of am anyways. But, you know, you go into any little bar and you just go, holy shit, these guys are so good. What yeah. made me think I could do this, you know? I've heard it about Nashville. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy good. So what are we going to do musical with you? What's going on with you? There's no way. I mean, clearly you've got the pipe still. You're still writing. You're still, you're way too creative. You're way too young to really retire as a creative force. I know. I, I And it's just like, okay, I think I mentioned I'm building this house and it's like, so I put, yeah, I put a couple years into that last little EP, let's call it um, extended play. Like nobody knows what EP. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, the return on that was, you know, I, we did a bunch of shows we've done. We, we kind of, I don't really do club shows per se. I'll go do opening positions with friends of mine in bands, you know, whether it's Warrant or Brett Michaels. And, and that's kind of cool because we're an arena band and we, we can, we can stand, we can hold our own and give people run for their money. We're a great live act. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all that energy and effort. And I was like, fuck, you know, I didn't make shit off that. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put that, ambition and talent and creativity aside for now and learn a whole new trade and 
you know, there was no jobs out there. So I just, just started building and learning, learned carpentry and right. You know. But that, I was meaning because at this point, as long as you're not making negative, and if you're at a point where you, it's not so much about the money at this point. I mean, of course, it's great to make money, but if it's about just yeah. making music and not it's just being creative and doing what you do best, and not, and not being and not being in the negative, and still not sacrificing yeah. your comfort. Yeah, you know, you've got to be writing songs, so you've still got to be having. Oh, dude, every day it's just a for me. It's just now it's a thing I do. It's like. I know that I'm just throwing another song into the big ocean. It's like a little drip, a little eyedropper drop into the ocean yeah. every day. But it's like, I'm not, and you know, I have some things that are on movies and TVs and stuff and I get the little publishing checks once in a while, but it's like, I just haven't been like going through the motions of like putting them out and recording them. And I don't, I probably should. As soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to do that. And to get back to your question, um, now that I am almost done with this, house which probably made me more money than i have in music in my whole career you know um i'm going to well basically i'm putting this a, a new group together now and I've wait got so wait some... you, the house made you more money yeah how'd the house oh, make yeah. you more money uh because real estate's a great place okay. to invest. so yeah so if you sell it you're gonna make more money back i mean you mean yeah oh yeah okay yeah absolutely i mean it was like it it's just been like this great investment. And I, I don't think I'll sell. I'll probably just, this will be like a, a cabin. I'm in Northern Minnesota right now. And I've yeah. got like 20 acres on a lake and they've got this big house, which incidentally is got enough room to like bring an entire entourage of a band up here and record and be isolated and not have like, you know. Yeah. I don't know why people go to like Jamaica and record. I mean, I get it. I love Jamaica, but if I was there, I'd want to be on the beach drinking margaritas all day or whatever they drink down there. Well, every rock story about Judas Priest or Scorpions going to one of those places is usually about the struggle of getting the artist to go back into the studio to write that. Go back in the studio because you're just partying and there's chicks and there's booze. And it's like, you know what you need to do is you need to go away from all that and like wake up every day and go to work. That's how work right. gets done. So I'm not going to, I'm not looking to make this into a professional recording studio. No, but it's fun. If you can, but if you can be creative and continue to still either break even or yeah. make some money and yeah. still be creative, why yeah. not? Well, you know, and if you don't have to, I, hopefully you don't have to worry about making money. And um, so that's where that brings us to today. And what I am, what, what ended up happening is I got a call from these guys that uh, do the, um, God, what is the big, the Bakken festival out in Germany? Yeah. Yeah. They called and they're like, you know, we'd like to have you. We're doing this other festival and it doesn't really have a name. It's like the indoor festival or something. And I can get the you new a one. Yeah. Yeah. Is it new? And they're, it's in Hamburg. Uh, okay. The, the first of September through the third or fourth. And, you know, there are some of my like contemporary sort of artists in my, in my genre, you know, um, and uh and some great european bands in europe they they never did stop loving no, they love metal they support it and they keep it you know, going so they offered us a really great position and i thought oh cool i'll do another film and surprise the guys and get the original cats together well danny actually has you know he taught at git before i met him for like 10 years and then he's written like mm -hmm. 20 books and he works for hal leonard and he does like instructional videos and he's doing really well he lives in gothenburg sweden and his kids have all left the house and he's like, cool, you guys can come over and stay with me for like two weeks in my big house and we'll record and 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 get the band together and then we'll go play. 
And I'm like, okay. cool. That really sounds pretty cool. awesome. And uh, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if I say this. And then Jackie just wasn't into it. He's just like, you know, I'm just not into it, you know. So then Ian's like, well, if Jackie's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. So then I'm like, well, I have my local guys that I've been playing. I have like another group, uh, you know, locally here in Minnesota. And we play, you know, the Midwest and the gut of the So country. you do play. Okay. So the way you're like, ah, I haven't done anything with music because it sounds like you're not doing anything. So you are still actually playing because you still have the music bug in you. I have been, yeah, over the okay. past 10 years or so. But, you know, since COVID, I kind of parked that thing. But I figured that I would fall back on those guys. Well, those guys which was a great band that I put together ended up creating another band and they happened to be booked on that show. So like my two what backup bands are both booked. So I'm like, and now I have the show booked in Hamburg. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I just went out and I started scouring the clubs here in the Midwest. And I found this killer guitar player, Logan uh, Stalector. Yeah, that's his last name. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Logan. But anyways, badass guitar player younger dude and uh, he's an instructor too and um we put together this group and we've been rehearsing and yeah i got a bunch of like woodshed shows in the midwest yeah. we're gonna show we're gonna go out and kind now, of get it hurricane alice same title you it's, it's alice, yeah so we're doing the first we're doing a few songs off the first record a few songs off the second record and um basically gonna go to hamburg and maybe a couple other shows in europe is everybody cool with you using the name? I mean, let's face it, the big thing in rock and roll now is everybody fighting over the name of a band because yeah, either A, not... because they want to tour with it, or B, because they just don't want it being misused because people think they're a part of it. Everyone yeah. has their, their own reason. You know, I guess that could be like a little, you know, it could be a little, and actually Danny might show up because he's in Gothenburg, Sweden. He might, he's not that far. But, you know, it's never really been an issue with, with um, you know, I don't know if if somebody had an issue with it, I would have never done it. Nobody really cared. So I've been doing it for years. I've been up. I've been yeah. since like 2007. Oh yeah. You have heard it by now. Yeah. yeah. They really been, cared. I, but if they wanted to play the show, they would have just done the show. You would have been fine with that too. So. Totally. And it's, it's not like it's a, you know, at this, and you know, I'm under no misconception about the value of the project other than to myself and, and maybe the right. fans that we have. Um, you know, so, and, and they are too, you know, if it was something where there was money, then there'd be fighting about it. There's not a ton of money. And it's just kind of a thing where I like to play cause I, that's what I do and, um, go out and do what I do best. Yeah. And and we've been doing that since 2007. I've had a, 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 like, actually the cats that are in, it's just like, uh, it's like uh guns and roses kind of thing. It's like, you know, the guys that are in the guns and roses that you don't know, they've been in yeah. the band longer than the actual well, yeah. guys. same with these guys. But now they're booked, so I'm putting together another group of cats, and it's, I gotta say, uh, they're really professional, really good, and uh, within uh, the first two rehearsals, we were running the whole set. I'm like, that never happens, you know? So, wow. yeah, That's so good. We're, up. we're gonna do some woodshedding this summer, head to Europe this fall, and, you know, we're gonna do a record, and I've got my new house and my new studio, so, and I've got a, like, like you said, yeah, I've been writing and I don't just write in the rock genre. I, I do finger picking guitar and all kinds of other shit too. But so it'll be fun just to be creative and, and do that again. Well, I think know? as a musician or an artist or a painter or anything to just stop, maybe I'll not do it commercially is one thing. I get that because whatever, yeah. but yeah. to say like, you know, there's artists that'll say like, I got off tour and I put my guitar away and I've just never touched it again. I'm never going to 
do that again. Oh, no, but there's people that could do it. I but I talked to it, and I feel like I'm not name drop. Not but the point of the whole show is about talking about musicians and stories and stuff. Yeah. And when I talked to Fish, former of, of Marillion, he's a talented, great guy. Yeah. He says, "This is it. It's my last tour." Now, he doesn't do a lot of interviews at all because he has his own thing he does. Yeah. So I was like, "But you're still going to do some just other stuff?" He's like, "No, I said I'm done. I'm not going to sing them. But you can record. I just do songs for fun as an artist." Nope. That's it. I'm gonna write books. It's done. I'm not gonna sing it. And he's pretty. I believe him because there's some people you believe. Well, you know, like not like we're done touring. We're gonna sign a thing. Like it's not like that. It's not like our yeah. kisses final tour. It's like he says he's done. I believe he's done. He's one of those guys done. Which is yeah. to me, I'm like, really? You're not gonna get that bug in a few years? Maybe he's like, nope. <laughs> I mean, it, that's, the thing that's, I mean, it's a matter of perspective. If you're a person who's like, I always wished that you were talented enough to write and create but you just don't have it and you never yeah. developed it because you went and did that other thing that with your, your life got in the way. Then you look up to people who can do that thing and go, wow, dude, that's amazing. How could you throw that away? Well, it's a creative person. You're like, fuck man, I've been doing this and it ain't fucking yeah. paying the bills or, or maybe I'm too old to do it anymore. And it, or just my, my, my life ambitions I think he's, he's done it. He's done it. I think. Well, he's still successful. He's still releasing albums on on these past tours. I mean, he still has an audience. He's just yeah. literally. I just think he's just done with it. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 like well, like so. I, I respect say, it, but like, it's just surprising. Like in, in reference to like my comment about Jackie not wanting to do this European tour, I right. totally get it, and I respect him for that. I mean, you grow, and you're you're like, I'm not gonna go play those songs from 30 years ago and be this rock guy even though jackie is one of the greatest fucking drummers i've ever worked with and he's one of the yeah. best in the world i think and um you know but i totally respect him not wanting to do it it's okay with me it it would have been great to i just really the whole thing was to hang out with those guys because right. love them you know well covid covid may change things don't, don't forget i mean the drummer from taiketo just tapped out his last one he also has a lot of promotion stuff too a lot of people have yeah. alternate careers in music or film or whatever and sure. a lot of them, this is around the age that a lot of them are like either grinding out a couple more years or they're like, I'm done. You can fill in the spot for me. Like it's just right. between COVID and this age, they're like, I'm done. Especially drummers. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jackie's not just a drummer too. I mean, he's a great drummer, but he's a good singer and he's a good songwriter and he's just got these great creative ideas. It's just, he's, he's just like a cool dude. I love working with him, but, and that, I was hoping to work with him again. And you know what? I'm not ruling that out. That could happen. That'd be but, awesome. We'll put that, we'll put that out there also. And you yeah. guys can celebrate the release of those demos. Well, but yeah. Hey, yeah. This is, this, you know, a lot of information. A lot of people that are, haven't heard of you from a while. It's going to. There you go. Yeah. Fill them up. So, I, I, I appreciate Sean. I really, I appreciate your reaching out and, and doing this because yeah, you know what? There's a lot of misinformation and it's kind of a bunch of stale old stuff out there. And I, I hate to say I'm, a bit neglectful i mean now in this current like like day and age where like everybody like these influencers it's like mm -hmm. oh hi it's me i'm having carrots for dinner you know it's like right. it just i i'm i'm, I'm kind of like taken aback because you know you need to go out and promote yourself you need to go out there and have some content and have things that people are interested in and it's like i'm just like i'm kind of like I don't want to say turned off by it, but it's no, but everyone's like that. Every every interview I talk about is that even me. I enjoy the creative part. I enjoy talking here. I enjoy editing it and putting it together. 
when it comes yeah. to promoting this afterwards, I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't want my yeah. picture on it. I don't want to, I don't care. I, I don't do selfies. I'll do a picture with an artist or I'm, I'm a conduit. I'm like, just part, I'm like, I guess it's like, I'm like the John Goodman of podcasts. And there's, like, there's a quote. <laughs> it's not about me. It should be a black shirt. It's like about the show and the artist. And, and this promotion just is so painful. Well, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I don't mind. I'm, as you know, I'm chatty, but. No, but this is a little different. This is not you actually taking pictures and, you know, posting <laughs> know. everywhere. But you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to be that false. It's kind of a weird deal. And it's, and, and really, I'm more about just the art and the whole, the live performance thing and the creativity of going like, okay, bring me a song. And it just honestly comes to you, through you. Yeah. And bam, there it is. And you create this piece of art, right? And that's what all artists do. It's a creative story. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'm more about that. And it's like, I don't mind doing interviews. And in fact, I love doing this. This is really fun. Um, but it's like, I'm not going to go out there and, and chase people and try and push things. And, no, no, you know. no. And, and like, and to me, to some artists I've talked to, I don't even, there's other podcasts I've done the deep things with them. And I don't need to do it because I'm like, I know it already i mean to ask the same yeah. questions over again i know and i've heard on other things sort of out there there are other podcasts do a better job at it like that's they dig they, they, they feel, i feel uncomfortable actually asking a question i already know but there are artists or content that needs to be brought up in context because even if i know it, it's not going to make sense to somebody driving their car on itunes or spotify or whatever or on youtube they're not going to get it so that's important to relevance yeah. the conversation but to do the soup to nuts on every single artist is not a thing i do yeah, you there's a bunch of artists that just kind of slip between the cracks, and there's very little yeah. information on. But yeah, there's fans that are streaming your first album and hopefully your your second one now. You don't I know more. Can't, I can't believe that there's all this interest in Europe. I mean, all these people are hitting us on Facebook and and asking for this, that, and the other thing. It's just like, well, okay, wow, where's this coming from? And we're just yeah. an obscure band that was really good that didn't really make it. Um, you know, we, we were close. <laughs> Missed it by I'm glad much. to hear that though, because I didn't know that. Like literally, I have a short list or a short long list of artists that different uh, list of people, whatever. And there's a list of people that of artists that I like that I don't really just put enough press on or I haven't heard enough about that we like to put out there and share and get people yeah. excited about. Because if you feel yeah. like a personal connection with something, like this you have this talk, oh I did hear a hurricane, I did hear a canals, do that one song. Let me go back and listen to it again. Like because it's the tail yeah. of the tape. There's that connection now. They got right. they got the backstory now, and it feels more relatable. So, but prior to that, like you you were one of the things on that list. I'm like, there just wasn't anything out there, or, yeah. or not. Well, and you know what? And and this serves to legitimize it. You're this is a podcast, right? It's, it's everything. Yeah, it's what's yeah. called a podcast because it's also on video. So it's via video and podcast. Video, yeah, no, 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 visual podcast. It's, yeah, it's not really. Video too. It's like saying video and saying film. We're going to film it, but no one films anymore. It's just, yeah. you know, the industry word. You hear it, but I know, but as a person in the industry, you're like, this isn't a podcast. It's more of a YouTube show, but I also make it a podcast. But you don't want to be that dork saying yeah. that. I always I always catch myself because I feel like I'm dating myself if I use the word like, I'm going to film this or I'm mm -hmm. it's gonna I'm going to videotape this <laughs> or I'm going to, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, nobody even knows what that means anymore. It's almost like an I'm going to make a talkie. That's what you're going to say. <laughs> right? I'm going to make a talkie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin talkie. Yeah. Oh man. Go back old fashioned, yeah. really. Um, but I want to thank you, man. It's been awesome. And uh I'll have cool, you back man. again. After your if you want to come back after your album's on, we'll we'll break down your album. Sure.
Sure, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate your uh, reaching out, Sean. It was cool. Yeah, it's nice to hang out. It's fun too.